Well, I want to say good morning to those who are watching online, those watching by TV at our Mill Creek campus here at Sugarloaf. So how many of you think the 49ers are going to win? <clears throat> you just raise your hand. We'll have to... <laughs> how many of you think the Chiefs are going to win? Okay, Chiefs, okay. How many of you have bet money on the game? Don't, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. But if you win your bet, if you don't tithe, the curse on your house. Okay, great. <laughs> I want to confess that one of my greatest fears, and it, and, it, and it seems to intensify as I age, and I know I'm not the only person who has this fear. In fact, we now know from psychologists that this fear is growing in America at an exponential rate, primarily because of the internet and social media. Maybe you'll recognize what I'm talking about. If you're a young person, millennial, you'll get it. My fear is known as FOMO. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, the fear of missing out. It's the fear of, of, you know, there's this phenomenon. As a matter of fact, it was first identified in 1996 by a marketing strategist named Dr. Dan Herman. And FOMO refers to this apprehension and this worry that you either don't know or you're out of touch with some social event or some experience or some interaction. And people who struggle with FOMO, they may not know exactly what they're missing out on but they've got this fear that somebody somewhere out there is having a better time or a more rewarding experience or they're enjoying life more than they are or have, they've got something they don't have. And it's this fear that, that somehow you're missing out on all of this. And what this leads to is the inability to just be satisfied with where you are at a given moment, to just be satisfied with who you are at a point in time to just be satisfied with what you currently have in your possession. And this is compounded by the fact that the single most important thing we're told that we want out of life is satisfaction. Because think about it, if you're not satisfied, you're not happy. If you're not satisfied, you're, 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 you're full of discontent. If you're not satisfied, it can be aggravating, it can be irritating. And get what, getting what we want when we want it has become a part of everybody's daily life. We prove it every day. For example, you're watching a television show and you don't like it. You just hit the remote and change the channel. Or uh, you don't like a song you're listening to, you hit a button and change the song. First time, this is, I know this for sure, first time something happens at church you don't like, you just change churches. We, 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 we have this, you know, we, and, and all the time if you think about it, just, just listen, just keep your radar up. We're told you either don't, you know, we either we don't have, uh, 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 you know, we're, we're, we either don't, uh, you know, have what we want to have. We don't like the way we look. What we, you know, what we drive is insufficient. We're bombarded with messages to upgrade, trade in, borrow to buy. I don't know if you know this or not, but the economy, our economy is driven on perpetual discontent. There are experts that even know how to drive us to what psychologists now call, listen to this, dissatisfaction remediation. They, they know how to pull this off. What, one of the first words children learn how to say, you know what it is? More. Takes a long time for a child to finally say, enough. And maybe it's not coincidental that the song that Rolling Stone magazine ranks as the number two song of all time in his 500 greatest songs and the number one song on VH1's 100 greatest rock and roll songs of all time. Number one song, you know what it is? I can't get no satisfaction. And that's where so many of us 
live. And it seems that discontent and dissatisfaction follows us all of our life. Many years ago, there was an unbelievable poem that was written, listen to this, by a 14-year-old boy from Connecticut. He sent that poem to a, a columnist, some of you have heard of, Abigail Van Buren. They called it, you know, used to write her, called it Dear Abby. He sent this poem and she was so impressed, she published it, it went all over the country. It, it, it went like this. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. It was a, I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. Amen to that. The youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. So true. We live our life, and you look back at it, and you die. So many people dissatisfied. And we spend most of our lives working, and listen to this, we spend most of our lives working, and we, we spend most of our time working at a job that we don't like. We spend most of our time working at a job we're dissatisfied with. According to published surveys, listen, this blew my mind. 80% of working Americans believe they are in the wrong job, and they are not satisfied or content with where they work. Life is too short to live it in discontent, to be unhappy, to be, not, to be unsatisfied with who you are and where you are and what you have. So we're in a series, if you're a guest of ours today, we're in a series in the book of Philippians that we've been calling Joyride because Jesus came to give us joy and peace and satisfaction and contentment. Well, there was a man by the name of Paul. He wrote this letter to a church, this book in the Bible, and he wrote it while he was chained to a desk. He was chained to a Roman soldier. He wasn't going to have any more than what he had. He certainly had no computer. He had no, no cell phone. All he had to eat every day was bread and water. He had every reason to gripe. He had every reason to complain. But instead, as he writes this letter and he's winding this letter down, he starts talking about how satisfied he is and how content he is. And he ends this letter by giving the secret of satisfaction. Now, I just want to think about one thing. If you can be satisfied in prison, surely you can be satisfied out of prison. So we're in the book of Philippians today, Philippians chapter four. If you brought your discipleship booklet, it's on page 50 in your discipleship booklet. And Paul simply says, if you're one of those people right now and you're unhappy, you're dissatisfied, you're discontented, you're jealous of what somebody else has, you feel like you're missing out, you want more, nothing's ever enough. Paul says, there are three lessons. If you'll learn them, you will learn how to be totally satisfied. Number one, Remember God's purpose for you. Remember God's purpose for you. Now, Paul is commending this church in Philippi because they had done something for him. They had done all they could to meet every need he had while he was in this prison. So this is what he says. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned 
but you had an opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. Now listen to this. He's in prison. He may die tomorrow. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul said, there is a secret to satisfaction. And Paul had learned that secret. Now again, he had every reason to be discontent. He had every reason to be dissatisfied. Here's a man, think about this. He had been unfairly treated. He had been un lovingly rejected. He had been unjustly imprisoned. I mean, the Jewish people who once adored him now hated him for one reason. You know why they hated him? Because he'd given his life to Christ. That's the only reason. He had never done anything to hurt them, harm them, but they hated him because he had given his life to Christ. And he was in prison because he'd been unfairly accused of a crime he had not committed. And yet with the dark cloud of death hanging over him, he was totally satisfied with the light of God's presence. Paul said, and I love what he said. Paul said, I have learned the secret of satisfaction. I want you to hear this carefully. Contentment is not a principle that you practice. You can't force yourself to be content. Paul says contentment is a lesson that you learn, which by the way, reminds me of something. There is a school that you never graduate from. I don't know if you know this or not. If you hated school, I got bad news for you. There's a school you never graduate from. You never ever get your doctor's degree. You never get a summer break. You never get a Christmas vacation. You know what that school is? It is God's school of lifelong learning. Life's like a school. School is never out, and you're to learn something every single day. And here's what God does. When you give your heart to God, He enrolls you in His university. And here's the good news. He teaches every class. Now, that word disciple means learner. That's what we are. We're learners. And God never quits teaching, and we should never, ever quit learning. School is never out. That's one of the reasons why the one thing I do rejoice as I age and we all get older, you never quit learning because it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're reading your Bible, facing a problem, parenting a child, working in a difficult job, going through a tough time, dealing with a medical issue. It doesn't matter. There's a question you ought to be asking every day in so many ways in your life. Here's the question. God, what are you wanting to teach me? What are you wanting to teach me? And one of the greatest lessons that God wants to teach us every day is the secret of satisfaction. And Paul had learned how to be satisfied when times were good. Paul had learned how to be satisfied when times were bad. Paul had learned how to be satisfied when he had a lot. Paul had learned how to be satisfied when he had a little. Paul had learned to be satisfied when he was going with the flow. He had learned to be satisfied when he was swimming upstream. Well, what was the secret? What was the lesson that he had learned that of all places God had taught him where? In this rat-infested, dank, dark, cold prison that enabled him to be completely content and totally satisfied. All right, here's the lesson Paul had learned, and I hope you'll remember this, okay? You are not under your circumstances. God is over your circumstances. You're not under your circumstances. You know, you're sitting there saying, well, it's easy for you to sit there and tell me I ought to be content or tell me why I ought to be totally satisfied. You don't know what I'm under. You're not under anything. 
God's over everything. You're not under your circumstances. God is over your circumstances. Look, Paul did not know. He didn't have a clue what was going to happen to him. He didn't know if he was gonna have a little or have a lot. But here's one thing he knew. I've got God. That's one thing I know. I've got God. And if you have everything without God, you've got nothing. But if you've got, got have nothing with God, you have everything. And let me tell you this. That's why the most dissatisfied, discontented, dysfunctional people are control freaks. You ever been around a control freak? You said, man, I'm married to one. Okay, listen. Have you ever been around a control freak? People that, I mean, they have to control everything. You know what the problem is? Do you realize, do you understand when I talk about contentment, you don't understand what contentment is? Here's what contentment is. Contentment is realizing you don't have to control everything because God is in control of everything. You, you don't have to control everything because God is in control of everything. And Paul had made up his mind, I'm gonna be satisfied with who I am. I'm gonna be satisfied with where I am. I'm gonna be satisfied with what I have. And listen, I, I learned this. It took me a while to learn it, but thank God, Teresa and I learned it early in our marriage. And has it ever paid off? You ready for this? You don't have to keep up with the Joneses if you're satisfied with being a Smith. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses if you're satisfied with being a smith. I love the old story of a king, and, and, and he wasn't content. I mean, he had everything a king could have, everything a, you, know, you could imagine a king would have, but he just wasn't satisfied. He wasn't content, and he just couldn't find inner peace. Well, one of his, his advisors went to him, and they said, Sire, maybe if we could find the most contented man in the kingdom, here's what we'll do. We'll bring back that man's shirt. And maybe you can put that shirt on and then maybe you'll be content. Well, the king thought that was a good idea. So he sends out, you know, his, these advisors, sends out a team of people. They went all over the kingdom. They searched all over the kingdom for the most satisfied, the most contented man they could find. And they got his shirt, took it off of him, and they brought it back to the king. That's what they thought they'd do. We're gonna find this man. We're gonna take the shirt off and bring it back to the king. When they finally found the most contented satisfied man in the kingdom, guess what? He didn't even own a shirt. He didn't even own a shirt. See, satisfaction and contentment, it's not something you're born with. In fact, you're born without it. It's an acquired skill. And what Paul said was, you can learn to be satisfied with who you are and where you are and what you have. And that's exactly what God wants to teach us every single day. I read the other day about a, a spiritual seeker and, and he was just not content. He was unhappy. He was out about on the verge of a nervous breakdown. He absolutely hated his job. He hated his work. He hated being in the rat race. He decided he was just gonna take a few days off and go to a monastery and get away from everything. So he checked in and, and the monk showed him to a simple room. It had no windows. It had no television. It had a bunk bed, a sink, and a tub, and a Bible. And that's all, he, all it had. As he went to shut the door, he said, listen, I really hope you enjoy your stay. And by the way, if you need anything at all, you just let us know and we'll teach you how to get along without it. <laughs> you can learn the lesson of satisfaction. God's purpose for you, what is it? To teach you to be totally satisfied. That's step one. Remember God's purpose. Lord, I know every day your purpose for my life is whatever happens, to be satisfied with who I am, where I am, what I have. Lesson two, rely on God's power in you. 
Remember God's purpose for you. Rely on God's power in you. Now, but let, let me tell you this. I love this part of the message because I know what some of you are thinking. Because you're sitting there, you're not buying what I'm trying to give you. I'm not even selling it. I'm trying to give it away. You're not having it. You're saying, that, listen, you give all this spiritual pop psychology you want to, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I cannot be satisfied with who I am. I cannot be satisfied with who I am. I cannot be satisfied with what I have, even if this is who God made me, even if this, this is where God has placed me, even if this is what God has given me, okay? Now, this is the good news. You ready? Let me agree with you. You're right. You can't. On your own. You will never be satisfied. Can't do it. But this is why. Now, remember what Paul had just said? I've learned to be content with whatever I have or don't have. I've learned to be content whether I have a lot, have a little. I've learned to be content if I'm in prison, out of prison. I've learned to be content if I believe I'm going to live today or if I think I'm going to die tomorrow. I have learned to be content. Paul, how did you do that? Here's what he says. I can do all this. What's this? contentment. I can be content. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now listen carefully. That may be one of the most misquoted, misunderstood, misused verses in all of the Bible because Paul was not saying I can do anything I want to do. I can do anything through Christ I want to do because you can't. You can do anything through Christ he wants you to do but you can't do anything through Christ that you want to do. Here's what Paul was saying. I can be totally satisfied with who I am. I can be totally satisfied with where I am. I can be totally satisfied with what I have. You know why I know I can do that? Because I have the power to do it through Christ. I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. See, we can do anything that God wants us to do and God wants us to be totally satisfied. So I want you to think about this. I'll give you a statement, a strong statement. God doesn't just want us to be content. God has called us to contentment. That's part of God's calling on your life. God, did just, God, God doesn't just call you to salvation. God calls you to satisfaction. God doesn't call you just to Christ. God calls you to contentment. And we've all learned this the hard way. Contentment will never come when you reach the top of the ladder. It will never come just by having a large bank account. Contentment will never come just having that title you're always looking for. Here's what happens. Contentment comes when you change the way you think and you rely on the power that God has given you. I, I don't look at the paper anymore. I don't even take a paper anymore. But when I did, um, and I didn't, you know, a lot of people read cartoons. The only cartoon I really like, I still like, I like Peanuts. I don't know if you like Peanuts or not, but I, I like Peanuts. And, and I remember this cartoon one time where Snoopy is, is in the doghouse. It's Thanksgiving. And Snoopy was in the doghouse and he was grumbling. He was complaining. He was griping. He was stuck, you know, in his doghouse eating that dog food. And everybody else was inside eating the turkey and the dressing and the gravy and the cranberries and the pumpkin pie. And he was just so upset. He was just so dissatisfied. He was just griping. His, his, I mean, he was just couldn't stand being in that doghouse. And then the last caption of the, of the cartoon, he's thinking to himself, you know, it could have been worse. I could have been born a turkey. <laughs> you know, that's so true. And I'll tell you what God wants for you every single day. Quit griping about what you don't have. 
And start being grateful for what you do have. Quit, quit, quit. Instead of griping about where you are, be grateful for where you are not. Instead of griping about who you are, be grateful because of who you are not. Listen, I guarantee you this. If you would just sit down for a moment and you just take stock of your life, I think many of us would realize we don't need to start keep trying to get ahead. We are ahead. You see, there are a lot of things we all think we can't do that we can. And I want you to remember this about the life you live as a follower of Jesus. You know, I thought about this and I thought, boy, that's a strong statement. I hope our people can take it because it could upset some of you. Because some of you are really not going to buy this, but it really is true. The Christian life is not a matter of can or can't. It is a matter of will or won't. Pastor, you tell me I ought to have my one, but I just can't tell people about Jesus. Yeah, you can, you just don't. Pastor, I, 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 I know that, that, that I ought to support the church financially. I just can't. Oh, you, you can. It's just that you don't, you won't. Because the Christian life is not a matter of can or can't. It's a matter of will. Or well, I, I, You're going to Panama. And I, I, I know I need to go, but I, I just couldn't go on a mission trip. Yeah, you can. It's not a matter of can or can't. It's a matter of will or won't. Because God never just commands us to do something and leave us on our own. Whatever God commands us to do, he enables us to do. And if you know what God wants you to do, he's already given you the power to do it. So here's what I know about every one of you. If you know the Lord, you're a follower of Jesus, you can worship God in spirit and in truth. You can serve God in his church and through his church. You can disciple other people and be disciple uh, in a small group. You can send and you can be sent. You can go across the street. You can go around the world. You can share your faith because you can do anything through Christ that he wants you to do. So no more excuses. No more half-truths. He strengthens you to do it. Now, I know this may sound very simple, but I'm gonna tell you something. This, this is gonna help some of you. There are some of you right now, you are one change of thought away from leaving the conflict of dissatisfaction and entering the calm of satisfaction. I, I, I read the other day, there was this big, rich business owner and a big businessman. He was this filthy rich. And, and he, walked, he was walking by a lake and, and he saw this fisherman sitting just, he was just sitting there lazily by his, his boat was up on the shore. And he was just kind of sitting lazily by his boat. He was just looking up at the, you know, at the sky with a smile on his face. He just seemed so peaceful. And so the guy walked over to him, the businessman, and he said, why aren't you out there fishing? And the fisherman said, well, I've been fishing and I've caught enough fish for the day. So the businessman, the rich man said, well, why don't you catch more fish? And the fisherman said, well, what would I do with more fish? He said, well, he said, you could sell those fish for more money. And then you could buy a bigger boat so you could go deeper and farther and you could catch more fish. And then you could purchase another boat besides that and you'd catch more fish. Soon you'd have a fleet of boats and you could hire a bunch of fishermen and they'd build you a big fishing company. You'd be making all the money that you want. You'd have all these boats. You'd have a company full of fishermen and then you'd be rich just like I am. The fisherman said, well, then what would I do? He said, well, you could just sit down and enjoy life. He said, what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> See, God has put his power in you 
to enable you to overcome FOMO, overcome greed, materialism, selfishness, the desire to always get ahead. Have more by focusing on Him and realizing that every day, if you're living for Him, you are where you are, you are who you are, you have what you need. And you can do this through His power. And by the way, you can rely on God's power in another way. When you came in today, I want you to pull this out. Every one of you should have received this, okay? This is a, a little booklet that we have put together. Let me tell you what this is. This is a prayer guide. Starting today, I want you to join me in praying for those, that one person who is far away from God. Because the greatest power we have is the power of prayer for our one. You know, some of you have a one and you've said to me, boy, pastor, I, want, I don't know if I'm ever gonna reach this person or not. They're so tough, they're so closed, they're so hard. I mean, it's just like you know, a plowing stone mountain. Let me tell you one thing they can't fight. They can't fight your prayers. They are powerless against your prayers. And so I, I want you to take this book and use this prayer to pray for your one. God's giving you the power to pray for your one, to share with your one. And we're gonna be sharing on social media and email how God is putting his power to work. So how do you learn to be content? Remember God's purpose for you. He wants me to be content. Rely on God's power in you. I do have the power to be content. And then here's the last thing. Reckon on God's provision to you. Reckon on God's provision to you. Now, I want to ask you a simple question. And it's a rhetorical question. It's a foolish question. I'll be the first one to admit it. And the answer is obvious. But let me ask it, okay? If you knew that if you were living in the will of God and that God is in control of your life, that you would always be where you should be, do what you should do, and have what you should have, would you then be totally satisfied? Now, I know that's a big if, but I'm just asking, if you're living in the will of God, if God is in control of your life, and if those things are true, if you knew for the rest of your life, I'll always be where I ought to be, I'll always do what I ought to do, I'll always have what I ought to have, would you be totally satisfied? Now, hopefully you'd say, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, no question. Okay, here's the good news. My God will meet, everybody say that word real loud. All. My God will meet all your, say that word real loud, needs. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna tell you something. There are some great promises in the Bible. I mean, there are unbelievable promises in the Bible. To me, that's right up there at the top of the list. That's almost at the top of the mountain. And there's not a greater promise than that one. Paul said, God says, if you're living in the center of God's will, you're being obedient, you're being faithful to him, you have every right, you have every reason to expect that any real need that you have in your life, God is going to meet that need. Now, I wanna be clear because some preachers preach this a different way and some people wanna understand it a different way. There is no translation I've ever found that quotes the verse this way, and my God will supply all of your greed. It's not in the Bible. No, you can't pray for a Mercedes and get one. You may or may not. You, you may pray for the beachfront condo. You may have it, you may not. 
God knows whether you need it or not. God knows how you're going to use it or not. He doesn't say, I'll meet your griefs. In other words, here's what the promise is. Does God promise you that he'll give you everything you want? Absolutely not. He has promised he will give you everything you need. Listen, I've lived long enough to tell you I'm thankful. I thank God right now in front of you that he didn't give me everything I've ever wanted, but he's given me everything I've ever needed. And I'll tell you why. I look back on my life and I'll tell you, there are a lot of things that uh, I needed that I didn't want. You know, just like all kids growing up, sometimes, I hate to tell you this as your pastor, I needed to be disciplined. That may shock some of you, but I did. And I'm going to be honest, I can tell you, I can't think of a time I was ever disciplined that I ever wanted it. Maybe you can, I just can't think of that time. I mean, I wish I could tell you that I was mature enough at times to walk into my dad's bedroom and I wish I could tell you I, went to, I would go in there and say, Dad, do you have a minute? I need some discipline. <laughs> I, I just, I, I never had that experience. I wish I could tell you I was mature enough that every time I got disciplined, I wanted it, but I didn't. But I am thankful that I lived in a home where my parents cared enough about me and loved me enough and wanted me to be the kind of person that I should be that they disciplined me when I was not what? I should be. And another reason I'm grateful is there are often times in our lives when we want things, let's be honest, that we really don't need. I almost married the wrong girl twice. Almost. And I am so grateful that God, God didn't give me the girls that I wanted. He gave me the one that I needed. I sent a text a while ago to Teresa and and just said, I just want you to know I've never been more thankful for you in my life. I've never been more thankful that that, you know you married me. And I'll be the first one to say, first thing I want to tell you about Teresa, one of the reasons she's such a great wife. Teresa doesn't always give me what I want, but she gives me everything I need. I'll give you an example. Sometimes we want flattery, but what we need is honesty, Right? I remember when I turned 50, I was traumatized. I thought, man, my life's over. I'm 50 years old. I remember I woke up. I remember this. I woke up. I was so depressed. But, you know, I woke up at 50. And I just kind of walking around the house in a funk. And I was depressed. And boy, I just, I just, I didn't know if I'd get through the day. And so I just walked into the bedroom and I said, I, I just got to ask you a question. She said, sure. I said, do you think I look 50? She said, no, but you used to. Um, <laughs> you, you, listen, you can mark this down. You, you can mark this down. This is a promise that has never failed. This is a word that has never been broken. Here's what God said. If there is a real need in your life, I will meet that need. Now you may say, whoa, time out. I've got some needs and I know their needs. God hasn't met. All right, then one of two things is true. Either it is not a true need or you don't need it yet. That need need may not be met in your way, but it'll be met in his. It may not be met in your time, it'll be met in his. He will provide. Always has, always will. 
I, I want to share with you, I'm going to wrap this up. I want to share with you one of the most traumatic experiences I, I've ever gone through in my life. And I've gone through a few, and I'm sure you have too. And it came at the end of my junior year in college. Um, I, I believe the Lord had led me to a private Baptist college that was somewhat expensive. And frankly, I couldn't afford to go there, but I just went because I believe that's where God wanted me to go. Um, I, I worked my way through school every year. I, I had a, a campus job. Uh, I would save all my money in the summer, you know, to, to go. I was very frugal, and I didn't spend, you know, extra money going out or anything like that. Well, going into my senior year, I realized I added everything up. I was going to be $2,000 short uh, of going to school in my senior year. And, and I thought I was going to have to drop out of school for at least one semester and, and postpone getting my degree. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to graduate on time. And uh, <clears throat> mom knew about it, dad knew about it. We talked about it, I $2,000 short. So all I could do was just lay my need before the Lord. And, and I did. I just said, Lord, I, I, need, I, I need this. I need to go to school. I, I want to finish school on time. Well, a week before school's out, one week before school's out, I, I get a notice in my mailbox to go see Mr. Master. And Mr. Master was my accounting professor. And, 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 and never before had he ever asked me to come into his office. And never since had he ever asked me to see me about anything. Mr. Master, uh, God rest his soul, Mr. Master was one of the two or three most intimidating men I have ever met in my life. I, you, 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 I mean, it was uh, every day when we went to accounting class with Mr. Master, you just had a, 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 you know, a knot in your gut. He was tough, he was hard-nosed, because he was trying to get you ready for the real world. And, and er, all our homework for you accountants out there, every homework was this account, uh, CPA problem. It was on the CPA exam. And, and the, problem, the problem would be this long. It would be this long. And, and, and so we, there'd be about seven or eight of us get together the night before class. We'd all get together. We'd try to figure it out. We couldn't figure it out. Well, what Mr. Master did, he had this, he had this uh, system where you would go in and you never knew when he was going to call on you. You never knew it. And I mean, you were sitting there. I mean, you were just, you were just like this. You're pouring sweat. You just, oh God, my only prayer was God, may just make me invisible. Don't let him see me. Don't let him call on me. But he always called everybody by their last name, Mr. and Mrs. So he might say, um, uh, Mr. Merritt, would you begin to solve this problem? And you couldn't only talk, you had a dry cotton mouth. It's just so, it's just a horrific experience. It was just terrible. You wouldn't get three words. He'd go, uh, 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 Mr. Merritt, now, now, why, why would you start there? Why would you do that? Well, you had no clue why you did that. You're just spitballing. You don't even know what you're doing. And he'd dress you down. He'd say, you think you're away with that in the real world? Mr. Merritt, that could cost your company $5 million. What you gonna do about that? I mean, it's just like that every single day. Now, I realized when I got to the end of, you know, uh, of what, you know, what he was trying to do and all that, and I appreciate it. But I'm just telling you, the guy was just intimidating. So you can imagine when I get this, Mr. Master wants to see you in his office. I thought, dear God, what have I done? What, what have I done to deserve, you know, going to my execution? So, you know, I, I, I went over to the, to the business school. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon and his door was open to his office. I'd never even been in his office. The door's open. And he looked out and he said, uh, Mr. Merritt, have a seat. I'll see you in a minute. And I sat down. He had his own uh, accounting practice on the side. He advised people. So finally he said, uh, come in. So he came in, never said a word. He just pulled out an envelope and he gave it to me. And uh, I said, thank you, Mr. Master. What is this? He said, open it. Well, every year, Winn-Dixie gave a scholarship to a student in the business school and that scholarship was passed around from department to department. So one year, the head of the finance department got to decide who got the scholarship. One year, the management department. One year, the, the, the marketing. But this was the year the accounting department got to give out the scholarship. So Mr. Master was the head of the accounting department, so he got 
to give it out. It fell to him. Well, I, I opened it up. Take a guess what the check was for. Just a guess. To this day, if you put a gun to my head, if you put a gun to my head, I have no clue how he knew. I never, took, I never said a word to anybody. We never had any personal interaction. Listen, let me tell you, we had a small campus where I went to school. This was true of everybody. If Mr. Masters walking down the sidewalk, you crossed the street. You don't want to get around the dude. You kept your head down. When he walked by, you didn't even look at him. How he knew and what he knew, I have no clue. But I'll tell you this, that 20-year-old boy walked out of that office totally satisfied, totally content. So, Jesus Christ died on a cross. He came back from the grave to prove to us we can be totally satisfied, not just in this life, but in the life to come. John Piper rightly said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. To God be the glory for total satisfaction. I want you to do something. In a moment, we're gonna close with a beautiful worship song and, and David and the team have led us in such great worship. Okay, so I wanna say this very strongly. I don't want anybody to leave. Nobody. I don't, if you're a volunteer, don't leave. Okay? Nobody leave. Now, if you're in the middle of a heart attack, we'll get you out. Other than that, don't leave. We're going to do something a little bit different. I never close a message. I never close anywhere I am that I don't share the gospel. Because the gospel is in everything. You, you know why I can be totally satisfied? You know why you can be? Because the Son of God died on a cross to pay for our sins, came back physically from the grave so he could send his Holy Spirit to live in us so we could have the power to be what we ought to be, do what we ought to do, be where we ought to be, and have what we need to have. But it all begins by you trusting Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. I can't explain it to you. I couldn't explain it to you then. But when I was a nine-year-old boy and I gave my life to Jesus in a movie theater, I knew one thing when I walked out of that theater. I knew I would forever be totally satisfied with Jesus. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna give you the chance to do that right now. And you could do it just while you're even looking at me right now. You, you could say this in your heart. You could say something like this. If you've never established a personal relationship with Christ, if you're tired of being dissatisfied, if you're tired of knowing there's gotta be more to life than this, there's gotta be more to life than drawing a paycheck, working 40 years, drawing my social security, and then dying. There's got to be more than that. You are exactly right, there is. It all begins with a relationship with Jesus. And if today you'd say, man, I wanna know that Jesus that can help me be totally satisfied, just tell him. Just right now you could say something like this. Lord, I I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe you're that Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. And sitting in this chair, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I I'm asking you to save me. 
I'm asking you to give me eternal life. In fact, I believe you just did. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I repent, turn away from my sin. I surrender all that I am to all that you are. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to do something. And you shouldn't mind anybody seeing you do it. I want you to do something. In your worship guide, at the bottom of your worship guide, there's a card called Connection Card. Can't miss it. Take that card out right now. Take a pen or a pencil. It should be one in the chair right in front of you. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to take that card, sign your name, give us a cell phone number, a home address, an email address, some way to contact you. There's a box at the bottom that says, Today, I prayed to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just check the box off. That's all you need to do. Check that box. Check off the first one. You ought to go ahead and check off box number two. I want to be biblically baptized because they really do go together. Now, you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but once you're truly saved, you want to be baptized. You know why? Because what you just did in private that nobody was looking when you did it, you want to show everybody that you did it. You want to give him the glory for what he's done for you. If Jesus died naked, which he did on a cross for you, you should love him enough to get into a pool of water for him. So I'm going to ask you to check off that second box. I, I want to be biblically baptized. Now you may say, I don't need to check off the first box. I've, I've trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But maybe you've never been biblically baptized. Check off the second box. And then maybe you've been here for a while. Man, I, I'd like to be a part of this church. I want to join. I, this is what I, I love what God's doing here. I want to get involved in this church and this part of God's family. Check off the third box. I, I want to start the connection point process. Here's what I want you to do with that card. When this service is over, you'll go out to a table. It's out in the lobby called Connection Point. Just take your card to that table. No matter what decision you made, give them, don't say a word, give them the card. There'll be people there. They'll read the card. They'll know what you need. They'll know what information you need to have. They'll give it to you. We'll follow up with you later. We're done. If you'd like to talk to me or to a pastor, if you've got a spiritual need, we'll be out at a table out there. We'd love to see you. Hopefully, even a message like this will tell you why. You ought to have a one. Everybody, who's your one? Everybody ought to have a one. Because you're, there are a lot of you out there and you're going, boy, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. I've learned the secret of satisfaction of the Lord. Yeah, but your neighbors never learned that. And that person you work next to downtown, they've never learned that. And your dentist has never learned that. Your doctor has never learned that. And they're frustrated and they're dissatisfied and they keep looking in all the wrong places because they don't know the secret to satisfaction, but we do. So I'm going to ask you in the spirit of this message, you've got that total satisfaction. Don't keep it to yourself. Help others do it as well. So let's stand to our feet. Let's continue to worship the Lord together. acknowledge you as the one true source of life and our worship be a response to this revelation we've heard Holy Spirit that you would speak to us and breathe new life in us speak to me when the silence stills my voice, you understand me.
You understand me Come to me In the valley of unknowns You understand me You understand me You understand me, God You understand me So I throw
Father's hands Leave the rest In the Father's hands One more time, I will I will rest In the Father's hands Leave the rest In the Father's hands So this morning as we leave, I just invite you to open up your hands in a posture of receiving like this. May you be the kind of learner who daily discovers the one true source of life, whose name is Jesus. May the fragments of hostility turn to hospitality in your heart. May the deserts of loneliness and your strife turn to a garden of solitude through his grace. And may the illusions of your control transform into a life of prayer and contentment in his presence. May you be awakened to the faithfulness of Christ each and every day, who is the one true source of all things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in peace. God bless.